Well, good evening. Good to see you all here. Um, you could have been a lot of places tonight other than here, but I'm glad you decided to come to God's house. And not to hear me, but rather to honor the Lord and maybe hear something that would encourage you. Brother Jamie, I appreciate your singing. Um, I've grown to appreciate him more and more uh, the longer I've been here. Now somebody says, well, why didn't you appreciate him to begin with? I didn't know him too well. And that's better than it going the other way, isn't it? And uh, I uh, really enjoy, I, I go away from here sometimes humming some of the songs, and he gives us a variety, I like that. For an old guy, variety is good. I like some hymns once in a while, some older songs. Um, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like for you to turn over to the uh, latter part of the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. I want you to leave your Bibles open tonight, if you would, because... I'm going to go through several scriptures, and there's always dangers of that, that um, messages can get long when you do that. But I'm, I will do my very best not to let it get too long. I realize I'm a better speaker in 20 minutes than I am 30. And I will try to be as brief as I can. I'm glad to have my wife with me. If uh, she usually follows me everywhere I go, She's been doing that for almost 50 years. The 17th of March, we will be married 50 years. I can't believe that. Don't clap. It hasn't happened yet. There's some problems to work out, okay? And uh, also with us tonight is my sister-in-law, her only sister, her only sibling. And I guess she's been my sister-in-law for 50 years, and it really seems like it's been longer than that. One of the great things that I noticed that Kay said she was going to come with us tonight was when I walked into the living room why, as I looked at her and I told her this, that she looks more like her mother all the time and I'm thankful that she does and my wife doesn't. Some of you will understand that, won't you? Don't shake your head, Gary, okay? All right. Well, the title of my message tonight is The Realities of Life. The Realities of Life. One of the things that I try to do, and when I'm trying to present the Word of God is, is that I'm like all of you. I, uh, I'm a farmer, and uh, I'm involved in a lot of things, but the thing I want to be involved in more importantly than anything else in my life is my walk with Christ. And I want you to know that sometimes we listen to preachers and we think that they don't understand what we're going through. And sometimes that's true. I have a brother-in-law, uh, he may be listening tonight, Roger Ellsworth, who pastored at Emmanuel Baptist Church for 19 years. He's been preaching for almost 60 years. And Roger has, uh, he's a great man of God and, and does a wonderful job preaching, good insights. He, he, I had one of my friends say at Emmanuel that he never fell on his face, not one time uh, when he preached. That's pretty good. And, um, but Roger has never held a job. He's never been out working on cars. He hasn't done the things that some of us have done. And I do believe that's a little different than what uh, pastoring a church is. And they have their own struggles. Don't, don't take that wrong. But you and I are out there where the rubber meets the road. And I want to help you tonight to maybe get something from this that will help you in your daily walk. Because all of this uh, I've experienced, and you will experience, and um, our walk with Christ is not easy. When I say the realities of life, everything is not 
the, a bed of roses. It's not always good. I don't care what some of these clowns on TV says, that you can have all you want and, and uh, get all you want. That's not what it's about. It is about us serving the Lord and honoring Him. And when we come to the end of our life, this is my prayer, that my children and my grandchildren will say He was faithful to the end. It's not over with yet. I, can't, I don't have any laurels to live on. I've got to continue to, to honor the Lord. And, and I'm, we're experiencing, and Kay and I right now, one of the great joys of our life is our grandchildren. We now have them from um, three years of age to 32. That's a long span, okay? And these last two, this set of twins came here about three years ago, was a complete surprise. But I'm telling you, man, they've been a blessing. And we have a lot of boys in the Miller family. Girls are hard to come by. We only have two granddaughters. And, um, but the boys are there. My son lives across the field, and he has uh, two boys. And, and um, um, they're, they're growing up, and, and they're over at our shop and in the office there. And, man, I have opportunities. Sometimes they just come and, and sit around, and we just talk and it's a great opportunity to still, for me to instill in them some things. I sometimes preach at them. And I tell them, boys, let me tell you something. If you think you're going to be able to do this and come into my house, you got another thing coming. And I'm serious about that. And I want them, I, I, <clears throat> I have a, a voice I realize that carries pretty good across the 40-acre field. You can hear me, Okay. And um, I realize sometimes I come on kind of strong. But at the same time, um, I think I need to use that. And then it's also a good voice. Whenever you love your kids, they recognize that too, okay? Now, I've got to get my glasses on. I'm trusting Lucas up there to, to take care of me tonight, all right? Because uh, um, it's a struggle for me. At the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, I want to begin with the 35th verse. Now remember, leave your Bibles open here. Previous to this, let me give you context to this. The book of Acts is the Acts of the church. Christ ordained the church. And we have here a record of God's early growth in the church. The things that happen in, in the book of Acts and happen in the churches of Acts does not necessarily mean they'll happen in our churches today, but they give us direction. All right? Let me, let me give you an example of that. They chose seven men to be deacons in the early church. Does that mean there ought to be seven deacons in every church? No. But there ought to be some. All right? You, you understand what I'm saying? you got to think through. And I believe that the Bible, <laughs> to understand the Bible, you have, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, and He can teach you as you read the Bible, as you hear preaching of God's Word, and then also God has given you a mind to think through these things. These are logical things. They're not some weird thing out there, but they are very logical when you look at the whole Word of God. Now, I do believe that it is important that we hear good theological preaching. I thought about tonight, I wanted to preach out of the third chapter of the book of John. One of the great um, uh, dissertations of, of what salvation is all about. And I think we need to understand salvation. I hope you do understand salvation, that it is a gift of God. 
It is not of works that we can do anything to attain salvation. You were lost in your trespasses and sin and you didn't even know about it until the Holy Spirit came one day and revealed it to you. And He presented them when you realized you were a sinner and that you had no way to get to heaven. He presented Jesus and offered you salvation through repentance and receiving Christ. And so that's the only right, that's the only reason I'm going to heaven. Now I tell people this, I hope you won't be offended by this, but I'm, I'm a little cocky about this thing about going to heaven. I'm as sure for heaven as if I was already there. I mean, I know that sounds, but I know I've been born again. And I know that he lives within me. Now that's taken some years for me to get to that place. When I was saved at 19 years of age, that day that the Lord saved me, I didn't realize what really had happened to me. But I look back on that and see what God has been doing in my life and having the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. God with me. And He's with you. So we know God's here tonight, don't we? All right. Now, the early church, I've already gone too long. I've got sidetracked here. So hang on. In the early church... Paul, as you know, was saved on the road to Damascus. And really, um, much of the book of Acts is written along the lines of the Apostle Paul. Peter was involved the day of Pentecost. But Paul got saved and he began to uh, missionary journeys. His first missionary journey was uh, back in the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. And if you recall, whenever he went on his ministry, that the Jews were being saved, but then the Gentiles started getting saved. And it was causing some problems among the old Jews who believed that you ought to, getting Jesus was good, but you needed to get a little bit more. And you ought to do this, and you ought to do that. And um, after his first missionary journey, while they came back to Jerusalem and the latter part, or in the 15th chapter, they came to a conclusion that was good that the Gentiles were being saved and there was some, um, uh, I guess, uh, delineation of what salvation really was and that it was for the Gentiles also. Now, I want you to know you ought to say amen to that because every one of you here, I believe, are Gentiles, okay? And you'll see in a little bit, even in this passage of Scripture, more about that. And so... In the 36th verse, or 35th verse, let me read this. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back to visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Discipleship trainings, what that was. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them, John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamathia, and he had not gone with them back to the work. That's found in the 13th chapter of Acts, 13th verse. Then the contention became so sharp that they departed from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went to, through Syria, Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Now, I want you to see, and there's some, what I want to show you tonight is, 
is everything doesn't always go the way you want it to go. And we see in this passage, this is really an interesting passage. Barnabas was a great man of God who had wealth, we believe. He was a, he was a, uh, a man who was always encouraging people. He never saw particularly the faults in people. And that's good to some degree, all right? And Barnabas and Paul were going to go, but he wanted to take John Mark with him. But John Mark had left them on the first missionary journey, and Paul did not want to take them. Now, what is the biblical basis for Paul to make that decision or Barnabas to make that decision? I don't think there is. They just had preference at that point. Sometimes preference is uh, what rules us, and we need to be careful that we don't let preference overrule Areas of our life that shouldn't be. Let me give you an example of that. You're asking, well, what do you mean with that? I got a good one for you. Music. Oh, do you have a preference? I do. Southern gospel. Just keep it coming. Pump it. You know? But there are other forms of music. Now, I want to say this, too, that there's some Southern gospel music ought not be in, I've heard some songs ought not be in the churches. I'll say that. There's some of the other that should not be in our churches. We need to be able to discern what's right and godly, okay? And there's a lot of areas like that. And so Paul and Barnabas had this problem. So they decide to part their ways. Which, which one of these men uh, was wrong? I don't know. At this point, I do not know. But later we know that Paul, in his writings, said that send John Mark with me for he will comfort me. Isn't that great? Brought him back in. Barnabas nurtured him and got him back and to the point that Paul had confidence in him. Isn't that great? That's what we make. You will make mistakes in your Christian walk. Just don't live on them forever, all right? When you realize you've made a mistake, own up to it and get it straightened up, all right? Now, if you go on down now, follow me. I hope you have your Bible still yet. In the 16th chapter, and this is, Lucas is not what I'm going to read, but you'll find here that Paul goes down uh, to uh, Lystra, and he meets a young man there by the name of Timothy. You all know who Timothy is. Um, he was a young man that Paul wrote a couple of epistles about him, took him under his arm, and he met him there. And then um, he was spoken of by the brethren, and... Um, they continue on, and I want you to look down here about in the 13th verse, that on the Sabbath day, we went out to the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And Paul meets there a lady called Lydia, who was a woman of apparent wealthy status in that community in Philippi, in Philippi, a church that they established. And he... Uh, uh, shares the gospel with her, and she gets saved. Things are going better now, aren't they? All right, hang on. Now let's look down at um, verse 16. Let's read there. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She's not lying, is she? And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, 
Have you ever got annoyed in a church service? Sometimes there's reason. Turned and said to the spirit that was in her, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Things are looking better, aren't they? But there was not, there was problems in the walk. Now this is not all of it. I'm not going to go on through this. But because of the fact that he cast out this demon, the people who had owned her were making money and they became very unhappy with Paul and Silas. And they caused a, a rebellion, basically, and said they were stirring up the city. And they took Paul and Silas and they beat them and put them into prison. And then later on in this passage, Paul was singing in the middle of the night. And uh, the chains fell off. And the jailer came. And he received Christ. Now, what I want to you to see tonight is, is that there is a lot of things that go on in our Christian walk. It's not always good. It doesn't seem right sometimes. And there are struggles that come. And last week, well, I'm going to wait just a minute um, about this, but struggles come to every one of us. And, and if, if we were to take time here this evening, I could ask each one of you, what's going on in your life? And you would share some things. And you might think that your person next to you, well, that's not much of a problem. Isn't that right? Sometimes we feel that way. But it's a problem to those who are dealing with it. Maybe discouragement. I don't know what it is. Kay and I have been married long enough. I've harvested my 50th crop this past year, going to plant the 51st. I don't know how many times I've said to Kay, as we were driving around on an afternoon looking at the crops, and I would look at my crop on this side of the road and look at my neighbor, and I would say to her, what's it like to be married to the worst farmer in Franklin County? Haven't I, Kay? Now she just rolls her eyes in the back of her head. But sometimes, you see what I'm getting at? In my own, in my where I'm at, I see things differently, and, and I believe, this, this, this is something you need to understand, that Satan sometimes will bring this stuff to us and cause you to be discouraged when there was no reason to be discouraged. <coughs> Excuse me. You need to learn the difference between the voice of Satan and the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. They're distinctly different. Satan will always bring discouragement to you. The Holy Spirit of God will always give you encouragement. One of the things that I found in my relationship with the Lord, finally, I, I, in my 40s, got into the Word of God, finally read the Bible all the way through. Now, you don't have to do that, but you need to be in the Bible and reading it. It's the hardest thing in the world for me to do. I am not a good reader. I love pictures. And it's difficult for me to, to just buckle down and read the Bible. Anybody else got that problem? All right, thank you. Let's just be honest about it. But still yet, I have found, and I've, I've found in my own life that reading the Bible early in the morning, that there have been some times when I read the Bible and I read it, closed it, went on my way. There's been other times when the Holy Spirit of God revealed some things to me and spoke to me personally. 
You remember that song that says, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. My assurance of my salvation becomes more real in those times like that because, listen, the Holy Spirit of God brings only conviction to lost people, but for us as Christians, He brings encouragements. And He reminds us of where He's brought us from and what He's done in our lives. And I think sometimes, wow, what a God! What a Savior! Why would He... I, I, I'm going to... Right now, I'm, I'm in wonder as I lay down at night right now, the last few nights, as I listen to what's going on in Ukraine. And I wonder, God, why was I born here in the United States of America? Why was I privileged? Why was I privileged to be born in a family where my parents were both Christians? They took us to church. They, they read the Bible. They, they were faithful and they encouraged us kids and pointed us to Christ. One of the things that I remember that I will never forget about my dad was that he shared the gospel with other people. And as a young boy, as a young boy stood beside him and I heard him share the gospel, how Jesus had saved his soul and how he was on his way to heaven because he had put his faith and trust. He had encouraged people. And my dad had a long line of people that he won to Christ through his life. It was amazing to me. And he set the example. But I, now I'm learning in my life that God, the same God, loves me. He knows me. He knows my name. And He knows my cares and every heartache that I have. As some of you know, I had a knee replaced, I think, five or six weeks ago. This thing's wearing me out. It is, okay? And I'm a little discouraged. I know some of you are having some health problems and you're discouraged with it. That's okay. But at some point, for me, i got to pick myself up and say, let's get with it, boy. I went back. You'll be happy to know this. My son's happy about this. I fed the cattle yesterday for the first time in five weeks, and they were glad to see me. And so we've got troubles. All of us do. And quite honestly, I don't think that my troubles are anything like some of you that I know are going through struggles, through divorce, through children being away from the Lord, or being without a job, or having, well, I know what financial struggles are, but just life being hard. And you wonder, have you ever wondered, where are you at, God? Well, I have. And there's nothing wrong with that if you don't do it in rebellion. So the reality is that trouble is going to come to all of us. Can you put my outline up there, guys? Because I'm lost right now. I'm old. I'm losing it. Joe Biden. Sorry. I got them laughing up there. They're going to get there. Well, we'll go on here. I don't know. I think it's about the third point. Forget it. We're all right. 
He's got me. I, I knew he'd do that to me. All right. Here's what I want you to see. The reality is that trouble comes to all of us, doesn't it? Have I made that clear to you right now? I mean, I just looked out just now and saw someone. I found out something about them here this past, about their past. There's just, it's all over the building here, all right? Now, the question is, what are you going to do about it? All right? Fair question, isn't it? Trouble may come. You may go out. Somebody may have a dead battery when they go out because they left their light on or, um, or whatever. Have a flat tire on the, on the way home. But I got a, I've got an answer for your question. It's a, you will be impressed with it. You will think, wow, where did he get that? No, you won't, not really. It's very simple. Here's how you deal with it. You get over it. Get over it. I can look back on decisions I've made in my life, whether they be financial or whatever, I could have done better. But I cannot dwell on those. I've got to move on. Last Sunday night, um, Brother Jacob was preaching out of the, the uh, 18th chapter of Matthew, and he talked about one of the big challenges in our churches today is unforgiveness. And God has set forth a way that we ought to deal with issues in the church. We don't do a very good job of following that, and I think he did a good job of bringing that out. But all of us have had problems in church, haven't we? All right? Now, there are some of those things that are very difficult and, and can lead us to, to discouragement. But there are a lot of them, ladies and gentlemen, that you need just to forget and go on. Quit, quit drinking the milk of the Word of God, but mature spiritually and become godly men and women that some of that stuff just rolls off your back. I'm going to tell you something. Fifty years ago, when I met my wife and we got married, I found out I had to do some of that. Amen? And she had to more than I did. And I, I remember, this is silly, but I'm going to tell it, all right? I remember one morning I was out. This has been 50 years ago almost, but I was, we were plowing, so you know how long ago that was. And, and as I was riding the tractor, Kay and I had had a little bit of a fuss, or it really wasn't a fuss, but I just got to thinking about something she did. And as I went around that field, I just got madder and madder at her. You ever do that? And I know Satan was on the fender there riding with me. And then I just got myself in a turmoil. And then as I rode, the longer I rode, the more I began to think. If she loved me, she wouldn't have done that or she would have done this or that. And then I got to thinking about some of the things she does do for me. And I got to thinking the only reason she does that is because she loves me. It wasn't very long I began to have a different attitude. But I had to take the attitude and get off my pity party and get with it. And say, Lord, I'm not going to let this happen. And you can, you have untold number of things. Tonight, before you leave here, somebody may say something before you get to the car and say, I wonder what they meant by that. Right? And we just need to quit it and get over it. And if it's a real problem for you, then you, the Bible lays it out. You need to go to that person. And I've done that. 
But I'm going to tell you, I found that the only way I can do that is get my heart right and put my hat in my hand if I'm going to go talk to somebody. Because I can't be arrogant and snobbish whenever I go deal with those problems. And we've got to learn how to be men and women of God. Let me say this. Your children are watching you in your life, in your relationships with your neighbors and family and whatever. And they're going to learn from you things that maybe they ought not learn or maybe they will learn things that will be godly that they will use in their lives. Now, I'm about done. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you discouraged here tonight? Is there some things just rolling in your heart? They've been doing it for a long time. And the reality, it's not anybody else's fault. It's really your issue in your life, and you just need to get over it. It may be your spouse that maybe there's something that you have harbored against them that they did or said a long time. And that can happen in a marriage. And you ought to be growing in your relationship with your spouse. Ken and I had to make that decision about five weeks ago when I had this knee replaced. We became closer than we have in a long time. And it was really tough when she was driving the car when we were coming to church. And I had to, okay, okay, okay. It was good for me. And we've laughed about it. I don't think we've had a crossword. I really don't think we've had a crossword in the last five weeks. But we, we, you know, my attitude toward that, she was trying to help me. I could see that anytime I wanted ice on my knee or whatever, she would go get it. Man, what a, what a wonderful blessing she is. And so we've grown together in our relationship. This knee, it's a problem for me, but yet it's drawn us closer. You see what I mean? Problems only will make us stronger and rely on Christ more or they will make us bitter. It's your choice. Bitter or better. So I want to ask you tonight, we're going to, in a little bit, we're going to have an invitation. And maybe you need to come to the altar and say, God, help me that I can overcome this in my life and I can glorify you. I'm going to give you an example of that in my own life. Through the preaching of God's Word and reading God's Word, I've realized that we need to love people. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not. I haven't found it in this church, but other churches I've been in, there's some people that are a little bit hard to love. Okay? And we say we love people, but that's really not true. That's really not true. So I remember one couple that I knew, and I just had some problems with them, and the Lord seemed to lay that on my heart. And so what I did was, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I began to speak to them in a more kindly manner. And I began to see, I pointed out and saw some attributes they had in their life that were godly. All I wanted to look at was the other things. And so I said, God, help me to speak to them in a kind way, and I'm trusting you that you will help me to love them. Now, I just, what we got to do sometimes is obligate God. And when I stepped out doing that, God began to change my attitude toward those folks. All right? 
And I don't know where, what, what issue or where or who or whatever, but I believe you've got to step out. I heard uh, David Jeremiah this week talking about um, possessing your possessions. And he was talking about people going into the, the promised land. God had already given them the promised land, but they had to go in and possess it. Now think about this. Do you know you have some fruits of the Spirit that you possess that's within you that God has given to each of us? And the only way for you to really have them is to possess them and begin to live them out in your own personal life. And that's what we need to do as Christians. Listen, I want to tell you, this is not about us. It is about the kingdom of God. It is about us serving Him and His will being done. I don't know about all the problems. I don't know what's going to happen with Putin and all the stuff that's going on over there. But I'm praying that God will work in an unusual way. I'm praying that God will work in our government today. But I have the only place that I can be responsible is at 3897 Bolin Store Road, Thompsonville, Illinois. That house right there is my responsibility. And when I leave that house and I go to various functions and do whatever, it is my responsibility. That's the only place that I can really influence the world. But I want you to know something. I found this out, that it's, it's, it's more accomplishable, I don't know if that's a word or not, because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. He goes before us. He does His work as we are instruments for Him. Paul said it's to live is gain. It, to live is Christ. Are you living for Christ? We all have our different places. Now I want to ask one other question here tonight. Are you saved? You cannot, you cannot overcome this old world by your own strength. But you can if you are a child of God. I want to ask you a question. If you died right now, where would you go? There ought to be a time and a place when you know, when you turn your heart to Christ. You don't have to know the date. I found out just in the last two years, it was August 12, 1970, on a Thursday night that I was saved. I knew it was on a Thursday night, but I didn't know it was August 12th. Long story how I know that. But it didn't make any difference. I'm just as saved whether I knew it was the 12th of August or not. You get it? But you ought to be able to go back and remember when the Holy Spirit of God broke your heart and made you to know you were a sinner. For me, I can tell you sometimes at Lake Salatiska over at Pinckneyville when I was 16 years of age, the preaching of um, uh, Laverne Butler from First Baptist Church, West Frankfort, on a Sunday afternoon, the Holy Spirit of God stirred my heart. And I remember the ride all the way home. I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get home and go amongst the cows for a while because I was in a miserable state. But that was, whoo, that was God who came to a lanky boy <coughs> at 16 years of age and made him to know he was lost and pointed me to Christ. Whoo, man, that is, can, can, can you imagine this? That the God of the universe came to you and to me individually. He knows my name. And he identified himself with me and made me to know I was lost. Man, that's good stuff. He's a personal Savior. He's mine, I know. I love that song. It's an old one. It's a Southern Gospel song. But my friend, if you're not saved tonight, you can be saved. I just believe that. If, if you are conscious of your lostness, God has spoke to you. 
You can be saved tonight. If you're a Christian here tonight and you're discouraged, come to the altar. See God. Maybe, I don't know what, maybe at your seat. I'm not going to twist your arm or anything like that. But trust the Lord and begin to walk the way that more, more fully, more fully than you have in the past. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Father, I don't know what you can do with this tonight, but I know that the Holy Spirit has an ability beyond me. He knows every heart here. He knows my heart. God, would you somehow speak to hearts here tonight? I pray for maybe a young boy or a girl who may not be saved or a young man, that somehow you'd move on them and they would tonight, they're in their seat or whatever, they could repent of their sins and ask you to save them. Or maybe come down, we'll, we'll help them any way we can. Maybe there's Christians here tonight who have struggles in their life. Well, that's just a reality for all of us. God help us that we would respond. May your Holy Spirit put his finger on some area of our life and that we might respond as he would have us to do. I will trust you for it all. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.